Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. And with me today, as always, is Ramin Forgani, the producer and moderator of the podcast. Ramin, how are you doing, sir? We are almost done with regular season GHSA High School Basketball. Tournament madness is about to come. Um, another week in and another week has gone by. We are here to do another podcast. Kyle, how have you been? Been busy this week. Uh, we had a bunch of snowed out games last week. So pretty much there's basketball every single night this week. And this is my road trip week. I'm trying to get out to a gym every single night. So uh, day one uh, was in the books. We saw Troop County upset number seven Cartersville in a uh, entertaining 65-62 game. Unsigned senior guard Jay Jefferson lit up Cartersville. For 31 points, hit six threes. Jalen Pugh, uh, quiet as a mouse, had five points going into the fourth quarter, then exploded with 11, finished with 16 in the game. Uh, TJ Horton led the team with 22 points, but it was not enough. Troop County, a great win. And then just last night, went to Banks County. And I guess we'll get this out of the way early since uh, we're already talking about it. So went to the Banks County game, number nine, Banks County hosting Number eight, Elbert County. They lost to Elbert County earlier in the season, uh, 61-50. to And uh, it was a very good game. Banks County always packs out the crowd. A lot of blue there. Watch the number two Lady Leopards play in there. The, uh, the, uh, the, what, the, uh, the, uh, the appetizer, I guess you could call it. And they really throttled Elbert County. So they're clicking on all cylinders, but in the boys game it was a very interesting matchup. Elbert County, a lot more athletes, but Banks County, they sat in their 3-2 zone for the most part, and they gave them a lot of trouble, and Elbert County didn't know whether to try and shoot threes or to drive, and when they would drive, Banks County drew five charges on them, and they had Dylan Orr, 6'7", shot blocker inside. But with all that being said, Elbert County held on to a 23-20 lead at the half. They ended the first half on a 7-0 run. And uh, they really made some plays down the stretch. And it was, you know, in the third quarter, three balls were flying. Darius Bonds was hitting three threes in that quarter to keep Banks County close when Elbert County was trying to pull away. 41-37 at the end of the third quarter, Elbert County had the lead. And then going into the fourth quarter, uh, Elbert County was just hitting all their free throws. And they pulled away for an important 61-56 win over the defending uh, Region 8, Class 2A champ, so a big-time win for Elbert County. Uh, they, you know, they, they, don't, they don't have much size. Six foot four is as big as they go with A.J. James, but he really outplayed Dylan Orr inside with 19 points and seven rebounds. And once they finally drew Banks County out of their 3-2 zone, uh, Banks County, they just don't have the athletes. They can't, they can't guard on the perimeter, a team like Elbert County. And uh, that's that scares me come the state playoffs because if they are able to sit in their 3-2 zone and they're able to take charges and they're able to impose their will with their big guy, uh, Dylan Orr inside, and then Carl Cleveland's about 6-5, and they got a little bit of length there, they're going to be tough to beat, especially if they have a home home games. But if they get into one of those run-and-gun, up-and-down games and it's a team that likes to press or put a lot of pressure on them, Darius Bonds is really their only true ball handler, and Carl Cleveland will help out sometimes. Gabe Martin help out sometimes but that's just a lot of pressure on him 
to handle it. And uh, that's what Elbert County did. They they cracked them down. They had 12 steals in the game. They really got after Bonds at one point in the third quarter. They got numerous turnovers, which led to easy layups. And that kind of was uh, the momentum changer. Once they pulled Banks County out of that zone, uh, it was kind of a, a free-for-all. And it was tough for Banks County to, to really keep pace with them. And Banks County, they hit, they hit 11 threes at home. So... Uh, it's not like they played terrible. They were knocking down a ton of shots, but you got to give credit to Elbert County. Don Hurlbert has turned that program around after a long tenure at Etowah. So in year two, he has Elbert County looking extremely good. Uh, a lot of juniors on that team, so they're going to be a force to be reckoned with next year as well, as long as this isn't just a flash in the pan. But Elbert County, number eight in the state in Class 2A, 19-3, and now 9-1 and in Region 8. A big-time win just using their aggressive guards, defense, and then A.J. James inside really sealed and capped a big-time road win in Homer, Georgia. And you can read more about that on sandyspiel.com. You got the plug in there so I didn't have to. Tonight, you're continuing this streak of going out to games. It's going to be you're staying in your neck of the woods tonight, a bit closer to home, Sequoia, Rivers Ridge. And tomorrow, Thursday, so today, if you're listening to this when we publish it, um, it's going to be a game time decision. That's too far in the future, right, Carl? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's really just I wake up in the morning, I see how the day's going. If I get all my work done, do I have enough time for a deep road trip? Do I have to stay a little closer to home? Uh, I kind of like it to be, um, you know, open up a, a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I don't want to make plans. I want to have it kind of a, a spontaneous spur of the moment. Check out Max Prep, see who's playing where. And uh, if there's anything that fits my fancy, I'm definitely able to make a road trip. So you never know where I'm going to be. But um tonight the 24th when we're recording uh sequoia will host river ridge and that is a a a big one a very important one in region six you have harrison who we have ranked number three in the state there in first place 16 and 4 11 and 0 in region six second place in that region belongs to number four in the state creekview who's 13 and 6 8 and 2 in the region but then for third place sequoia and river ridge both have spent time in the top 10 both tied at records of seven and three and this is our first meeting this year so this should be a very interesting one sequoia 16 and 4 overall river ridge 14 and 5 and uh river ridge savannah samuel has transferred in from Collins Hill and she has immediately made an enormous impact to uh, what River Ridge is doing. So they have a, a go-to score and uh, we'll see, we'll see what Sequoia does. They've been, they've played well. I mean, they have a good, good record. Alyssa Cagle, they got a lot of good guards, Peyton Satterfield, etc. But uh, we'll see what happens when they play River Ridge, a team that really does have a, a mismatch issue at five foot 11 in Samuel. Before we get too far into the podcast, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Sportal Space. Sportal Space helps teams find gyms and fields for practice or training and makes booking a gym as easy as finding a restaurant on Open Table or a hotel on Expedia. Check out Sportal Space. Every practice, every game. And now, getting back into it, for the second week in a row, Kyle, the producer in me, is, or I guess the moderator in me, is very happy. For the second week in a row, we have news to talk about at the top of the podcast. This week, it comes courtesy of the GHSA and some Gwinnett County basketball. An appeal was upheld in favor of Discovery in a boys' basketball game over Collins Hill. Uh, Discovery appealed an improper technical foul late in the game with a second left. 
that initially gave Collins Hill a 46-45 to win. They ruled that the technical foul was improperly assigned for punching a ball with a close fist. Two shots were shot and made by Collins Hill, which gave them the win. However, GHSA ruled that they would have to replay, and that game was replayed, and Discovery did hold on to win 45-44. Your opinions, Kyle? I think that is good that they went back and replayed it. Of course, it sucks for Collins Hill, but that is a proper call. That's that's just pretty terrible that these referees and you see it. You know, you always say, "Well, it's it's more so now than ever." But that's kind of a, what have you done for me lately? Thing. It's just the freshest thing in your memory. But yeah, referees. There there's been some bad ones. I've seen some bad ones this year. And how do you not know a rule if there's one second left in a player? It doesn't. I don't care if they punched it. There's no. That's you, you hit the ball. It's a smart play to do to knock the ball away and hit it up into the air so no one can get it. You made contact with the ball. Clock has to start. Game over. Uh, terrible application of the rules how do you not know the rules ghsa referees very bad job but very very good for um discovery and Corey casen i'm glad they got the uh the appeal upheld and you know they they replayed that game and they got a very important win so 45 44 they got that win but then when they re you know they played the the very next game and uh discovery um they lost to collins hill 61 49 so that ends up going in the books as a sweep but that's that's really big in region six that we know how crazy region six is when you're looking at uh region six you got mountain view rank number six you got peachtree ridge number seven collins hill number nine Duluth back in it at number 10 and just pouring over the region six standings mountain view is seven and two in first place but then duluth six and two peachtree ridge six and two and now that controversial if you want to call it controversial even though they got it right now uh that loss for collins hill that was uh um first and foremost it was uh, originally ruled a win that drops collins hill to six and three now so they have they have some more games played than uh, the two teams ahead of them in duluth and peachtree ridge for that that number two hole but that kind of hurts that would have been a nice feather in their cap to have two wins over discovery who discovery they're sitting there in fifth place they're probably not too much of a uh, chance to climb into the top four but uh, i think i said this at the beginning of the year whoever wins region six in the regular season there's no promise that they're going to win the region tournament. And I am going as far to say that whoever wins region six, they're not going to win the region six, uh, the region tournament, because it's just, it's so even, so difficult. Legit. There's out of those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams, six teams could get hot and win it right now. Sorry to North Gwinnett, who's 0 and 9 and 3 and 18 on the season with an 11 game losing streak. I don't think they can do it, but even look at a mill Creek who's 11 and nine, uh, two and six in the region. They've won three straight games and they, they always play teams very tough with coach Allen over there. Um, but whoever wins the regular season region six title, um, I would put my money on saying that the field is going to knock them off and win the tournament. But uh, if whoever does win that regular season and region tournament, my goodness, they're going to have a ton of momentum heading into the state playoffs. Do you think this upheld appeal by the GHSA is a uh, directive or a new push from the new executive director? It's coming from the top down, Kyle? Possibly. I know Peach County is very much pissed off still with the football state championships and how they didn't get there. 
you know, that, that, that catch and then fumble or whatever they ruled an incomplete, whatever they did. Uh, they did not uh, get a chance to replay that. And they are very furious, especially seeing, well, basketball, they got their, their last play rechanged and got to, you know, replay it. Why couldn't we do that in the state championship? So Peach County is very mad about this basketball ruling, but I feel like they did the right thing. And um, I don't know what uh, Phillips, Gary Phillips, what his um, his history was is, as far as overturns and uh, replays and all that goes. But uh, I think it was good. We got to get the get the calls right. And if someone messes up and it's something that can be changed with, you know, just a simple it's going to take three minutes to play it over. Uh, get it done so i think that was a good job by the ghsa to get this ruled correctly last little point i want to make here kyle the peach county issue they're, they're two materially different things now you want to look at the replay and we had professional video crews there from fox and 11 live covering the high school football championships in the dome and so yes you have all these angles and you can go back and say whether it was a catch or not but that's kind of going back with video replay and changing an incomplete complete pass call which is a judgment called by the referees, which is different than a misapplication of a rule issue. Those are two fundamentally separate issues at hand here. Very, very good point, Ramin. But go to Peach County and try and explain that to them, and they are, uh, they're not going to let you out of there alive. But uh, I understand what you're saying, and that is a very fair point. We'll take you on over to the rankings in Week 10, starting on the boys' side. 6A, we talked about them a lot at the beginning of the season. They started off rocky 3-6, and six, just as you predicted, Cod. You said a 3-6 and six start would be good for Gainesville. They are number one. Yes, Gainesville, the Red Elephants, I mean, uh, the Red Elephants, uh, they smashed out Dakula 89-55, to 55, and Dakula's just been, it's just not worked out over there, and there's... There's, um, I think myself and a couple others uh, have an idea of what's going on over there or what's going wrong. It starts on the defensive side of things, but um, it's just been a major disappointment. Harkens back to uh, East Jackson with Drew Drennan, Travis Anderson, and Lamont Smith, a uh, Class 3A. That was a uh, very, very bad. But uh, yeah, the cool they. Um, you know they're very dangerous if they can somehow string together some wins and get some um uh, uh, you know a, a pretty good favorable uh path in the tournament there's no reason why they can't make it to a final four because they do have the talent on paper but uh they got to put it together but Gainesville has definitely put everything together and then that 83 81 win at Buford where they, they they just pulled one out of the fire uh had no business winning that game but they came back and hit a, a late three to tie it, and then they got a steal and got foul at point whatever seconds left on the clock and hit two free throws to uh, ice it so Gainesville they are rolling they are clicking on all cylinders right now very scary team as long as they don't implode they have been known to self-implode with you know hot heads and this and that and drama if they can just stay clean stay clear for what it looks like about another month or so something like that they're gonna they have a great chance at winning a state championship they just if you're gonna lose be outplayed by a very good team don't you know have self-inflicted uh shots you know shoot yourself in the foot don't have that and uh, they take over first place 
because Langston Hughes, they blew a 20 point lead to Grayson 65, 64, but Langston Hughes did rebound 78, 70 over number four Tri-Cities. You can watch that game on sportalspace.com. Landers Holly, 29 points outdueled Eli Lawrence's 28 points. Eli Lawrence, one of the best guards in the state of Georgia who is unsigned, a 6'4", very smooth lefty wing, kind of like a Ty Fagan light version but uh, a very good player but yes Gainesville and Langston Hughes still those two uh, top of the heap in class 6a the number ones continue to reshuffle down in 5a Buford has reclaimed the number one seed from Warner Robbins yeah even though uh, they we just mentioned they had that that tough loss against Gainesville uh, Buford beat United Faith North Carolina uh, earlier uh, 69 67 in a tip-in from David Vitti at the buzzer, then David Vitti hurt his ankle or foot against Gainesville, and uh, he was uh, didn't didn't return to that game. And then just yesterday, they they, they pulled away late from Flowery Branch, and I believe I heard Vitti was in a walking boot. So that's something to really keep an eye on. The Georgia Southern signee uh, unable to go as of right now, and Warner Robbins they drop down. I think they're going to be you know back and forth, back and forth. Warner Robbins probably has the best one-two duo. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe in the state, probably for sure in that class five A, or at least very close to it, which Colby Owens and Nelson Phillips, they're absolutely dynamic, super athletic can score literally all over the floor, but they lost 80 to 65 to Newton, who I want to talk about next. Hopefully, uh, you'll, you'll tee it up on the, uh, the tee for me and I'll knock it out of the park, but 80 to 65 Warner Robins lost to Newton and they were pretty sloppy on that you know it was a MLK day game and kind of sloppy and things started to snowball once it didn't start going their way and Newton pretty much uh, blew them out after a very competitive first half you're trying to take my job from me Kyle next up uh, it's going to be a twofer Newton may be laying a claim to be the new number one in 7a after a very good week two wins over people in the top 10 and they beat the class 3a number one morgan county newton has had as good a stretch as it's you know you can really find right now and uh even if you want to date it back to when they beat Westside macon on the 13th they won 86 to 70 then we beat uh, last week's number one, Warner Robbins. We just said that, 80-65. to 65. Then you beat an undefeated number one in Class 3A, Morgan County, at Morgan County, 65-61. And Morgan County is one of the best teams in the state, so that that's huge. And then we just look, just even last night, a game that you can read about on sportalspace.com, uh, they beat Grayson at Grayson, 71-69. Now Grayson left a ton of points at the foul line, but Newton has been on fire, and they are moving up in the rankings, and they jump Pebblebrook, and Pebblebrook's won about, I don't know, 15, 16 straight games, I think it is. But their last loss, Pebblebrook, it was to Newton at the Holiday Hoops Giving, 87-78. So, uh, Newton was, you know, they were in a, a a little bit of a hole. They had a two-game losing streak or close to it, I think, earlier in the season. Uh, yeah, they lost to Grayson 74-73. Then they lost to Mountain View in overtime 66-65. So that kind of put them in a rut there. But now you're looking at the records. They're pretty much similar to Pebblebrook. I know Pebblebrook has a, a huge winning streak going for them right now, even though Newton does have a pretty nice winning streak of their own, winning nine straight. But they have pretty much similar records. And once you're that close and you just beat two number one ranked teams and then you just beat number five Grayson at Grayson, 
Um, and they also had that head-to-head victory over Pebblebrook. I felt like it's definitely time for Newton to crack that top three. Uh, they have earned it. They are playing exceptionally well. Ashton Hagens, we all know about him, but Armani Harris, Tyrese Brown, uh, getting a lot of help from other players. Dre Butler inside, and Rick Rasmussen, he's always a, a son of a gun. He knows how to win games, and uh, he's got another great shot to go deep into the state tournament this year yet again. We'll take it back down to 5A, a duo of teams, number 7 and number 8, Villarica and Maynard Jackson, respectively. Their records, respectively, 16-0 and 0 and 18-1, and 1, have, uh, have a little something to say about their rankings. They believe they should be higher ranked than 7-8. and 8. The uh, teams, of course, top two, Buford, Warner, Robbins, 3, 4, 5, and 6 ranked teams have 6, 4, 5, and 7 losses, respectively. What goes, Kyle? Well... I will I will start with Villarica. Villarica is now 17 and 0. That's great, but what did we say, Ramin? Did we say that all records are created equally? They are not. They're not. And when you crunch the numbers, it's not hard to see. I knew in my heart of hearts they, they obviously they can prove me wrong both these teams and they could take really deep runs and make me feel really dumb, but going on the numbers and going on what I saw from Maynard Jackson, and not I haven't seen Villarica, but just you can see these results and you know the history and everything. I, I just could not say to myself, am I really going to put these teams above a Southwest Cap who's played everybody against a Miller Grove, against a, uh, a Lithonia who's had really good results? I, I uh, Eagles Landing, who just beat Stockbridge, who uh, I, I just feel like they, they have more quality wins, but you're, you're looking at Villarica. Okay, they're in Region 7. Region 7's not very good, okay? Second place in Region 7, the, the next best record um, is 12-8, and eight, which is Kell, who's 9-2 and two in the region. And if you're, we're not even throwing into uh, into the mix region, region rankings, the best overall record outside of Villarica would be... Uh, thirteen and seven, Carrollton, who's six and five in Region Seven. Villarica just blasted them, so good for Villarica. They they blew them out uh, very easily last night. But if if you're not, we're not going to say that's their best win because Carrollton has five losses in the region. Their best win of the season would be fifty three fifty one at Kell. At twelve and eight, Kell is their best win fifty three fifty one. Non region schedule. If you feel like you don't have respect, uh, I, I, I mean, it is what it is. You have opportunities to, to load your schedule up. If you have any history of what I do at my rankings, uh, teams that play a difficult schedule, they get the benefit of the doubt because they are challenging themselves and they're trying to play teams. Here are the teams that Villarica has beaten in their seven non-region games. They beat 4-13 and 13 Chapel Hill. They beat GICAA. 11 and 10 Calvary Christian. They beat Bowden, who's 7 and 13. They beat Mount Zion, who's 9 and 10. They beat Cedartown, who's 9 and 10. They beat Dawson Christian Academy, who's 4 and 10. They beat South Paulding, who's 5 and 13. For a grand total non-region schedule of 49 wins and 79 losses, 
They just don't play anybody. Villarica doesn't play anybody. They could have scheduled other teams. They didn't schedule good teams this year. I can't help you if you're going to take an easier route and instead of you know Southwest Cap who plays in a great region in Region 5 and they're killing themselves going to all these big tournaments. I can't help it. I can't put you ahead if you don't you, you play these smaller schools, these bad schools. I can't help it. So that's that's Villarica. 17-0. It's a great record. But if you look at the substance of that 17-0, there's really just not much there. There's it's not you're not beating other top 10 teams. You're just not playing the the quality and level of talent that everyone else in the top 10 is playing. And if we want to switch that over, we can look at Maynard Jackson, who has a little bit a little bit better of a, a region record. But uh, I watched them play against Lithia Springs, and uh, they they won that game in uh, a wild overtime uh, affair. So I, w- I was there. So I had the eye test on Maynard Jackson, so I saw everything. I, I watched them play. They're 19-1 and right now. The same thing kind of goes for their non-region schedule, though. They are playing – well, before we get to non-region, they're in Region 6. And the second best team in Region Six is 14 and seven Riverwood. 14 and seven Riverwood, who's nine and one in the region, and then Lithia Springs is 11 and six, and they're six and three in the region. So same same type of thing. It is it's it's not a very good region. It's just not a very good region this year. And uh, their non-region games, they played a little bit better opponents, but they played uh, Fulton Leadership Academy. They beat them. They are 11 and eight. They beat Drew Charter, who's eight and ten. They beat Westside Augusta, who is three and seventeen. They beat Southwest Atlanta Christian, who is five and thirteen. They beat Pearl Con from uh, Tennessee, who's ten and nine. Same thing with White's Creek from Tennessee, ten and seven. They beat Valdosta, who's twelve and eight, who could be considered possibly their uh, best win. And they played Tiff County, who was not Tiff County from last year. I know we talked about Tiff County on the podcast earlier in the season. I said they're probably going to get their 20 wins. They're going to be a good team. I don't think they're going to be a, a, a top 10 team in Class 7A, but they're going to be one of the, you know just a, a plucky team that's going to be very defensive. They played Tiff County, who's 15 and six, their their toughest game of the year, and they got blown out 66 to 47. So, yeah, even with Tiff involved there, the that that 15 and six that sparkling record, uh, still the teams they have played are 74 and 78 non-region so again not all records are created equally you got to go out and schedule teams I, I don't know what to tell you um it's they just they villarica and maynard jackson have not played nearly the level of talent that everyone else in class 5a has played so that's that's what you have to deal about i don't you don't have to go scream and yell on your your social media accounts just schedule better teams next year that's 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 part of the job if you take some losses it's cool you hang state championship banners not regular season banners unless you're troop county who did hang a 22-0 perfect season banner which they lost in the uh state championship game i think it said which is bad we don't do that we do not hang you do not hang banners for regular season accomplishments you don't do that it's only state championship and a region champion but with that being said yes that is why both of those teams drop down in the rankings and they just have no resume building wins and uh they don't have many opportunities to do so they're in they're in weak regions uh, i guess maynard jackson has a good opportunity friday they are hosting lithia springs so they have a really good chance to to beat lithia springs and really you know prove that they are definitely the team to beat in that region which they are but uh both teams not very good non-region schedules and they're playing in weak regions so that is why even with great records 
That is why you're ranked lower and you drop down. But you're still in the top 10, so uh, that's a pretty good accomplishment in itself. But uh, they hit a glass ceiling right now just because they don't play enough good teams. So I hope that is clear, Ramin. Is that clear? Is that clear? You have to play good teams to want to be considered a uh, top team in the state. To be the best, you have to beat the best. That is why both those teams drop down. It's been a recurring theme on the podcast. I think uh, I think we get it nice and it's established. Hopefully it doesn't come up next podcast, although somewhere we always find a way to morph the discussion towards that topic. Everything comes back to strength of schedule. You sound a lot like the College Football Playoff Committee. And to wrap up the podcast, one last question for you, Kyle. I heard through the grapevine um, there may be a new arrival at Class 7A number 1 McEachern. What do you know? Yes, uh, the rich get richer. It's very funny how all that works and how you know teams turn into powerhouses and stuff like that. But apparently, four-star shooting guard, six foot five, Charles Smith, the fourth, is transferring from La Lumiere, Indiana, to McEachern. So, uh, very interesting. I know everyone always says uh, about the it, it can't just be a basketball move, but it, it has to be a coincidence that he went from one powerhouse team in the nation to another powerhouse team in the nation. I'm sure it's all it's all educational and stuff like that. But uh, yes. Another four-star player moves into McEachern. So I don't know what his eligibility status is, if he's going to be playing right away or he has to wait till next year. But um, McEachern is continuing to stack the deck over there, and they are going to be extremely, extremely difficult to beat this year and next year. Kyle, I think that's going to do it for this podcast. We tried to keep it short, under a half hour. I'm pretty sure this time we're finding our stroke. Hopefully you guys like it. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, comment at us on Twitter, you do anyways, and on the website, sandyspiel.com. Coming up, uh, you know, we have March Madness, and we usually do our February frenzy, so be on the lookout for that. GHSA brackets, eight of them. Yeah, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a lot of uh, brackets. Uh, we'll get it all figured out. But as always, you can submit all your favorite brackets, uh, especially on the boys' side for sure. Uh, classifications, class seven A all the way down to A public this year has extreme parity. It's gonna be fun. Uh, hold your breath. Uh, pick Tiff County to win it all because they did it last year. And who the hell knows once we get to the state tournament time. So uh, pick a dark horse, ride your dark horse, and see if they can go all the way to the championship game. Signing off on behalf of Kyle and myself. We'll see you next week.